Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast with your host, Andrew Keel. This is the podcast where you can get the education you need to invest 100% passively in the highly profitable niche of mobile home parks. Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Keel. And today we have an amazing guest in Mr. Jonathan Tuttle of Midwest Park Capital. Before we dive in, I want to ask you a real quick favor. Would you mind to please go over to iTunes and leave us a quick five-star review? I really appreciate y'all taking the time to do that. It helps us get more listeners and means a lot. So thanks for taking the time to jump in and, and do that for me. All right, let's go ahead and dive in. Jonathan is the head of acquisitions at Midwest Park Capital, a new mobile home park investment fund uh, based out of Chicago, Illinois. He has mobile home park ownership in his blood. Previously, he was vice president at Miller Chicago Real Estate, a leading commercial real estate brokerage firm uh, based out of Chicago. And before that, Jonathan served as the president of the Midwest Division for Yale Realty and Capital Advisors. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Just excited to be here because I actually listen to the show, so it's, it's kind of cool to be on. Dude, I'm really excited to dive in today. Was hoping that you could start out by just sharing your story and you know tell the audience how you got into the wonderful business of manufactured housing. Sure, sure. So started probably my first job, my first real job was uh, BB. It was a woman's clothing store and it was commission-based. Uh, around 2005 and ended up being the number one seller for the two or three years in a row. And at the same time, my dad bought his first park in 2005. And so like my, my big aspiration was at that time was to take a percentage of that, save that money and get my first park. And I tell people, this is like 2005, six, seven, you tell your friends like mobile home parks and this is pre, you know, social media and internet like really blowing up. You tell people like mobile home parks, what are you talking about? It's, <laughs> it was it, people would just look at you weird and he still got a little bit but it was just like a really unusual thing for being young and working in a trendy store and you're talking about mobile home parks <laughs> fast forward i got my broker license after that and focused on uh, manufactured housing and i just really like the as as you know i like the fact that to buy them is just just the way to go i think and the brokering you can make and the, the brokers out there they do really really well but i want a vehicle that i could have a retirement vehicle that comes, the payments are always on time and the equity. And then the plus the best part is the tax advantages. So that's kind of how I got started. It was just, my dad just went out and got a park. And when he was buying it, I was like, cause I, he owned other different types of real estate and own real estate offices. I'm like, he must know what he's doing. It sounds weird. But after I saw that, how well it did during the last downturn, remember it was like 2007, eight, nine, the best of all our real estate. So I was like, this is where I need to go into. That's that's fantastic. Maybe you can share a little bit about 2008 and 2009. And maybe tell us a little bit about your dad's parks, because I'm sure you were involved in the, the management of those and oversight. And maybe you can kind of tell us what happened in, in 2008 and 2009 and, and, you know, what the what the tenants did, you know, were they still employed or what was there issues? And if there were none, you know, that's great. But we like to hear the hairy stuff. Well, there's not going to be too much hairy stuff because <laughs> that's, and we could go out and talk about obviously what happened last year with COVID. It's the same premise that um, I think Wall Street Journal had an article last year. It came out beginning of January and they alluded since the last housing crash, 2007, eight, that mobile home parks were by far almost like tech-like performance. And we, we were just fascinating. We actually, the, the person we bought it from, it was mid-state Illinois. And the person we bought it from 
hadn't raised the rents. And like when you're acquiring parks or anybody's acquiring parks, they haven't raised the rents for like a while. So the first yeah. thing we did, you know, we raised the rents to like a decent level, put in some, you know, beautify the park, rules and regulations. That's one of the things we did is just really make sure the quality of living and the standards were there. And it just, we were able to raise the rents and build equity. And it just, there wasn't really any problems. My dad was lucky enough. There was a big operator about 20 minutes away, 500 some uh, unit park. And he also owned like the, I think he owned the car dealership and an apartment complex. So like he was like the small town owner basically of everything. Yeah. And he basically said, hey, I'm putting on new units. Do you want these units? As long as you transport them out here, license insured, you get them for free. So oh he got like four goodness. units for free. <laughs> And just pay for the transportation, obviously. And that was a really lucky find. So yeah, it was just like after I and I've seen all this, and I'm like, I'm like, this is a niche I need to get into because I've always wanted to do real estate just growing up in the business. But I'm like, this when everyone else, all you see on TV is housing crash, everyone's you know having issues, and it's so resilient. Because we even had people to give you context, we had somebody, one of the it was a couple. They were making around 70 to 75 at the time. One of them lost a job. So they went down to 30. So they lost their house. They couldn't afford the payment. They got into ours and your lot rents 200 at the time. They're like, this is great. They're still, they were still there until we saw the park. And so they were able to save all the money. They ended up getting the job back, but it's, no, there's no other place you could live for that type of rent. So we saw, when I saw all these like logical and the finances, I'm like, this is the niche to be in. Definitely. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, one thing, a lot of our listeners are, are passive investors, you know, just limited partners and they come from the multifamily space or elsewhere. You know, if you were talking to them, Jonathan, what would you tell them the most important things are that they need to look out for when investing into mobile home parks? Great question. I think the one thing, and that's why I like saying like, even to when people ask me this, I always say, talk to somebody already owns or invest in a fund or invest in a partnership like you alluded to, because the first things, the first park is going to be more work than you expect because uh, the advantages and disadvantages of parks is typically a multifamily is around 50, 55, 60% ex operating expenses and a mobile home park is 35, 40, maybe 42, 44 for institutional quality. But that comes with some challenges. Like people, we have the, the park owned homes and then the, like getting those off your hands. That's one big challenge, depending on your market. Infill could be another challenge. Uh, and then the zoning, the big thing with zoning is like, is like legally non-conforming. Sometimes if it's a smaller town, some of these, the old owner was friends with the, the city council, the city government. And sometimes these smaller towns, a new owner, you come in or you're an investor, they might, you know, put some rules on you. They put some basically rules that are not legal, but they, they push it because they're like the small town, you know, bullies basically. So just basically know the zoning, make sure the zoning it will allow you to operate as a park, allow you to, they don't change like the setbacks and all of a sudden you can't bring in new homes. And that's probably one of the biggest things people look for is just the zoning. And then obviously the due diligence in the park, make sure the the utilities, the infrastructure in your phase one. Uh, but once you have that and you understand the niche, it just is an incredible niche because no matter what, we're always about a third of the price of a single family or half the price of a class C apartment. So if you're a class C operator, you can be like, okay, what if might as well have a, the apartment and have the mobile home park so now i control the market and i can control the rents and i can control you know my, my cash flow and i could sleep at night and not have to worry about stealing <laughs> you know from each of the locations totally 
Um, may I ask what what is it? What town that you guys own in Central Illinois? Uh, Galesburg, the nice Galesburg. one in Galesburg. Galesburg, and then there's one in Monmouth, like ten minutes away. So like they're really gotcha. close. Gotcha. Very. But nice. it's the yeah, nice I... one. It's like the nicest park. It's a senior park, the Galesburg one. So. Oh, those are great. Those are great. Yep. Yeah. Um, that I just asked because I own a couple communities in Illinois, and you know, it, it's it's been resilient. You know, there's mm-hmm. ninety. 95% of the tenants pay on time yep. or maybe a few days late, but, but the extra 5% of tenants, those are the ones that make you work for it. And in Illinois, that is one state that has been in particular, you know, not very friendly in terms of this whole eviction moratorium. Yep. Um, I wonder if you guys have had any issues, you know, with, with the state of Illinois as well. Well, we've been fortunate, like the senior park. So like that demographic, they have their social security. So that's a good thing. Exactly. Well, we've had the other park. We had, uh, unfortunately, one of the, his young kid, he was like early thirties or late twenties. I think it was actually passed away. He had a brain aneurysm. Like he just, he thought he had COVID. But then next day he went to the hospital, he had a COVID test and he like, he passed away. So it was just so unfortunate. But usually our biggest issue is somebody passing away. Like that's our biggest competition so but in regards to we haven't had like our occupancy like it's pretty much i would say like 97 98 basically the entire time wow that's great so jonathan what does the perfect mobile home park look like in your eyes <laughs> well, i think it's going to be the uh frank and dave play block it's going to be the hundred thousand stick built home with within you know you know the radius of you know 30 to 60 miles some major city with <laughs> you know all the basic uh, utilities paid by the tenants. Like, I think that's the ideal play for everyone. But um, what we really look forward to right now is obviously everyone wants those deals. You know, the typical, uh, the, what we look for is like a three or four star. We feel that's the opportunity. Uh, the one and two star, obviously, you could do a lot if you could if you're really boots in the ground, really have an uh, infill strategy, or if you have your transporter, you have that lined up. And then the five star, obviously, you're competing with the funds and the Wall Streets and we feel our angle is a three or four star, just kind of under the radar, just, you know, where the, the market still has growth. I think that's our ideal play that we feel that's our best place to kind of squeeze in there. Okay. And will you, would you guys look at private utilities, you know, versus public utilities, you know, what, what type of deals are you looking at now that kind of we differentiate look at you? You look, yeah, at, both? look okay. at both. And I think, uh, cause before like kind of what you alluded to was like, everyone had to be uh, you know, city water, city sewer. That was like mandatory, but like, if it's been re- recently replaced or it has like, if every, you just basically through due diligence, you find out if it actually makes sense or not. Cause sometimes if it's, yeah, it might be city sewer water, but you know, it's a, the park, it just needs a complete new utilities. And the, you know, sometimes that could be sure. a real big issue. Yeah. Yeah. We're in due diligence right now on a park and it has a, uh, a septic system and city water. And, you know, you just got to do your due diligence, right? Because yep. Little things that you might not think about, like how many how many trees are in the community and where those trees are located, you know, Huge. in relation the to the yeah, leach yeah, field. I should have mentioned that. You know, we you, you don't of... think of it, right? Because yep. hey, the, the leach field's working today, but you know, when that oak tree doubles in size, uh, yep. and now all those roots are into your leach field, and you got to replace that. You know, you're going to need to have some cash ready because they're going to be uh, they're going to be in a in a tight spot. So. Yeah, it's just just interesting stuff to to keep an eye out for. Jonathan, I see the logo behind you. I wanted to bring this up. What can you tell us about the Mobile Home Wealth Academy? 
Yeah, it was kind of like, uh, I had this idea like three or four years ago, because uh, I'm, you know, I like online courses and that type of education. And now we had the fun, obviously there's 88% of people aren't accredited investor. The fun is for accredited investors doing different podcasts, been a, you know, a lot of marketing going out. And I'm like, what could be a solution to get people kind of that want to be involved? They're not a credit investor. What could be a solution to kind of get them involved in the industry and learn more about it? And I was like, well, let's do something with mobile homes. Like it's the easiest, cheapest form to get involved with. And eventually they maybe want to invest in the fund or, and, or they want to do their own park and, or they're working with a small town owner and they say, Hey, you know, what? we'll do seller financing. So we basically have industry experts uh, actually going on stage tomorrow. I'm going to be recording uh, you know, now it's getting nice out, it's getting warm. So show like how to remodel, how to position it, how to sell it on uh, Facebook or Facebook marketplace and or Craigslist. And what I really got excited about, cause I heard the number, uh, are you familiar with ClickFunnels? I am, <laughs> I am. Yeah, so the number one, the fastest growing course of all time and the fastest of 25 million was a mobile home course, flipping course. I couldn't Seriously? even believe it. So wow. yeah. So that validated the model and that's new. And then there's like a couple other courses. I'm like, well, I'm going to literally provide more content, have the, the contracts. And then I have all these industry experts come on, like, and then we have a private Facebook group. So we basically show people how to do it. Uh, and we're using some of our own, our own units as case studies. Like here, we spent X amount on this. Here's where we're marketing. Here's the ads I'm running on Facebook. Here's how to do it. And so just kind of a way to get people involved in the industry and just give them like a really high level of guidance, basically. That's really cool. We had a guy, uh, Byron Sellers, from yeah. Chicago, actually. Yep. That uh, mobile home elite investor. Yeah, investors. He was on the show, and uh, that's very similar to what he does. He has an educational program. Yep. And he also, you know, started out flipping mobile homes, and uh, seems to be doing really well. So that's, that's yeah. The course model is good. The, the one thing about the course model, it's it's evergreen. So you basically buy the Facebook traffic, and you buy online traffic, and then you know how much it costs to acquire a customer and it's like set in stone. So you can say, I spent X amount to, cost, uh, to acquire a customer and this percent converts and then that's your profit in between there because there's no overhead. There's no labor, mm -hmm. just algorithms finding the you know clients for you basically. Wow. So if we can go back, you said that the number one, like the fastest growing click funnel business yeah. right now is mobile home investing, mobile home investing course. Mobile home, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Wow, that's really cool. Is, like, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I, that's when I was, because I was going to have this course like three before anybody was, because I was like, well, maybe I'll do this before. I was like, nobody's going to want to buy it. Like, I thought nobody would want to buy it. Just so <laughs> weird, like the flipping mobile homes. And now, then I saw a couple of the courses. I'm like, well, now the model is, you know, verified. And we know it's it's still blue ocean enough because there's sure. it's, it's still enough room for growth. But then mm -hmm. the one course, we're, we're, we're going to be like four times cheaper. <laughs> so with more content, more everything and a year guarantee so we're like everything like it's crazy and then the person that built that funnel i reached out to them i didn't know they had a mobile home and then like i applied for it and they're like when i got to the call like actually we're we can't we can't take on we're already doing mobile homes i'm like what <laughs> and then i found out that's why they had the number one course so then i got like uh this guy named rudy it's ty lopez business partner for all of his funnels so he built one of my funnels and it's like literally incredible so like the, it's it's gonna do really well Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, best of luck to you with that endeavor. Um, so tell us, Jonathan, what's your long-term plan with uh, Mid Midwest Park Capital? You know, uh, maybe tell us where you're at in the business cycle and, sure. you know, uh, you know kind of how the, the operations are run and, and all of that, if you wouldn't mind. Sure, sure, yeah. So the fund is Midwest Park Capital, as you mentioned. Um, 
we think and like we think there's probably about a five or six year run. We know the industry is getting so consolidated. The mom and pops are now finally selling. Uh, so I'm like, well, now's the time to at least get as much as I can, acquire as many parts as I can, because, you know, podcast, everyone knows about our niche now. So it's not like these, you know, the good old boys just talking around the table and nobody knows about it. And I think some of the old guys do that purposely. If you look at, they didn't want anybody to know about it. So they don't, like we were talking about this, obviously, if we could mention more, but some of the guys, like they wanted to keep it themselves and we're coming in, bringing that new blood in, we're bringing, really putting a positive spin on it, showing it's a great investment for investors, but at the same time, providing a safe, quality, affordable housing. It's the last frontier of affordable housing. And, you know, people like us were really inspired to really provide a quality place and making sure that the, the communities aren't run down anymore. That we're going to put in CapEx, we're going to, you know, fix the roads, trim the trees so they don't fall down on the units, put in amenities, put in a play, you know, park equipment, you know, keep the grass grounds clean, not like the old stigmas like trailer trash. That was because some of the old people compared to like, if you look at the RV niche, everyone talks about, they have RV shows all, all the time, like how great RV living is, but we're the exact same niche. They have an RV and mobile home hall of fame, but we don't get that same press because some of the guys did a great job and then some of the guys kind of let it hang and just let it dry. Like, you know, so we're kind of come in, basically find the three or four star parks and then just pull it together a nice size fund. Like we went smaller than some of the competitors. Like one of the reasons we went smaller was because we won not just because some of the other, there's other funds are raising 25, 30 million. The problem with that is you almost have to buy every opportunity and you don't turn down some of the deals. Like we could actually say, Hey, this deal doesn't make sense for our investors. We don't have to just go out and buy every deal because we, you know, 10 million buys 30 million. If they're buying 30, they have to buy 90 million. That means they literally, you know, some parks that neither of us would probably buy, they're like, they have to buy it and see if it works. So that was kind of the reason why we went with the 10 million. And then also we just want to, you know, basically provide for accredited investors. We're seeing a lot of doctors. We're seeing a lot of private clinic owners. That's who's our typical investor. Uh, and also, like you mentioned with the multifamily, we're getting calls from multifamily. The biggest thing for them is just kind of educate them like how this niche works. It's different. Our industry is like a good 10 or 15 years behind multifamily. So when they say they want to see Excel spreadsheets, well, if the owners had for 40, 50 years, they don't even have rent manager. They're, they're still collecting checks. <laughs> they, they don't have detailed spreadsheets. So like when we're doing it, we have to underwrite them show it to them. It's like, like, that's how this niche is. It's it's literally like good old boys trying to not, you know, get it too public how good investment this was. So they see that there were, you know, even these old mobile home parks, a lot of times they don't have websites. They don't even have like, you know, the owner doesn't understand Facebook ads or Facebook marketplace. So that's kind of our value add. Say, so, hey, we're going to bring in operational efficiencies. We're going to market it better. We're going to have better online presence. Um, additionally, that we'll actually have like, you know, different softwares like Rent Manager and actually have everything 21st century, <laughs> you know, like it's accountability and transparent. So that's kind of like how we're positioning it. And basically, our ideal long term strategy, we want to do like three funds. So the second and third fund, we're going to raise it up. So we're probably going to add either RV, you're the first I'm talking about this, but RV or assisted living probably is like, you know, just so we can raise more because we do get some bigger investors that want to write bigger checks, but are, are you know, we're only at 10 million. So we want to have actually get some more of the bigger, you know, family offices that have reached out to us. So we actually have to have a higher fund for that. So the long-term play, uh, I, I think up to like three funds, 25, 30 million each for the next two funds and kind of go from there. And then after you hit 150 million, the SEC, you have to have a, a chief compliance officer. It gets a lot more, a lot more like overhead. So we're going to kind of play it by ear if we get to that big. So, 
Great. So do you guys have any parks now in the fund or do you have any like set up to close? We have great question. We have we have a couple we've identified off market. So we're we're still in the cap raise. We started right before the election. Actually, it's probably like the worst time, <laughs> worst time ever to raise money right before the uh, the craziest election. We have now we're circling back to some of the initial people that were all because we saw a lot of people that were just still kind of like, what's going to happen with the new if, if new administration comes in or my taxes. So we're circling back with those people. Uh, we just got a couple of broker dealers helping us, but yeah. So we do have a couple identified. And then plus, you know, just being, I was a broker before, I'm friends with all the main brokers. So they already know, know like, and trust me. They send me, they send, I, we probably get the same type of deals. There's, there's probably a two or 300 buyers that get access to the best deals. And that's another thing. So if anybody's like in a multifamily trying to come in our space, they're not sending you to those deals because you have never, you don't own one. They don't know if you're going to be able to close on it. Plus we know what to look for. So if we, you know, a broker sends us, you know, either us, we could say, oh, that doesn't make sense. That might make sense for you, but we'll able to tell right away. We won't actually, you know, put the property on a hold and be like, oh, this is, this due diligence doesn't make sense. And they back out. The broker is not going to send you anything. So a lot of broker relationships. And then plus from being brokering, I also have a relationship with some big owners. And so I always have opportunity to get some of those bigger parks just from like personal one-on-one relationships. Definitely. And, and tell them about M Shapiro. Uh, I know mm-hmm. you're planning to use them as a third-party manager and, you know, that is in and of itself, you know, to me, a little scary, you know, handing off my baby yeah. to someone else. Uh, so maybe you can kind of touch on that point a little bit. Yeah, I think for us, the reason we want to use them, we'll still be boots in the ground. So anything, anybody who's buying a park, you have to be boots in the ground. You literally have to go there, act like, you know, act like your grandma or mom's moving in there, talk to the residents the day, night, go to the local police, get a feel for the area, drive around the community, you know, talk to some people and see what the kind of sentiment is there. So even when we're acquiring parks, we're literally going to be driving through them. I used to drive through a couple hundred, like just going, driving, you know, rent a car, get a regular t-shirt. My mom's moving in here. How's this, you know, how's this park? And so when we first take on, the first probably month, we're going to be boots on the ground. I know, I think your story used to say you, you, you sleep in the parks, right? You actually like live in the parks. I used to, now my team does it for me, yeah. but I, I believe in that, you know, wholeheartedly that you need to be hands-on and you will 100%. I can say this with 100% certainty. If you are on site, you will save yourself money. Like there's no doubt about it. So I think that that is super important. Yeah. So like I said, the boots on the ground and then we'll be there the first month. And then obviously, well, they, the good thing about M. Shapiro, they bring in their own management systems. So they have 33 or 34,000 lots under management and they do a pile They do a couple other funds too. They just seem to have, and everyone says really raving reviews and they have like the biggest, one of the biggest funds. I think the biggest park fund out there too. So they, nothing but, they've they got it dialed in basically, but our component of it is managing them, going boots to the ground, doing our due diligence, then still like the first month, really getting a feel for the park. So, you know, there's just a fact that we can do everything digitally. That's, that's great. We can do zoom calls like this. So I'll be at the local hotel. That's why I asked you if you're going to be there. I won't be staying there. <laughs> I got allergies, <laughs> nothing wrong with me in the home, but I like, uh, like, I like get the free breakfast in the morning at the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> the free breakfast. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. So, um, let's see if we can, if we can go back a second, you know, what type of parks are you targeting? Are they hundred lots or bigger? You know, uh, we touched on it briefly, but maybe you can kind of repeat that if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, for scale of economics, 75 to 250. Um, and anything over, once it's over like 15 million, uh, I do have a couple 
friends in Illinois and some of the big owners just from going to all the trade shows and uh, all the conferences. There's a couple that I have a relationship. Maybe we might be the ones to acquire once they do sell. Uh, but those type of deals, obviously, private equity, Wall Street go for. We feel our avenue is the 75 to 250 for scale of economics. Obviously, cap rates have gotten compressed. So, uh, but we feel like the four to you know four to 15 million, uh, 75 to 50. Uh, we our our focal point is Midwest, but we also added in uh, Texas, Tennessee, and Florida. Obviously, growth mar markets where people are moving to, uh, and then we do have the Rocky states. So, a lot of people like the Dakotas right now, and then uh, Colorado. They could seem to be pretty. Colorado has got, I mean, the rents there are crazy. When you see, <laughs> it's it's pretty. Actually, I mean, just just going from a couple of states over compared to us, I'm like Colorado. It's it's crazy over there. So we have those are our focal points and like acquisition criteria. Obviously, in our niche, you want to kind of, you know, put like it's it's nice to acquire everything in a certain area, but a lot of times it's just will it, if that owner, the next park that's quality, is he going to sell or he's going to pass it down to his kids? So that's the biggest thing compared to like a multifamily where you could say, hey, people are always every 10 years selling seven, 10 years multifamily parks. A lot of these people came 30, 40 years. So you can't, you could say, I just want to work only one state, but it's it's so hard to, because there's, you know, just the inventory, 44,000 parks. So we have to have it spread it out a little bit farther. Totally. Yeah. You got to be opportunistic to an extent yep. and, you know, be careful what you can manage, you know, and I think yep. that's, that's what's important about M Shapiro is making sure that you're within their footprint. You know, I know they're based yeah, they don't go Michigan. To, they don't go to California. Great point. They don't go to California. They don't think they do like the upper East coast. They don't do that. So they, they focus on our core demographic and areas. Cool. Last question for you. What's the long-term plan? Uh, is it, buy and hold? Is it, you know, buy, fix up and sell? What's the, the long-term plan for you guys? The long-term, get the, the three funds. Each one will probably hopefully sell to like a private equity group. That's kind of the play. You obviously got a lower compressed cap rate. And then I'll probably just scoop up another one or two plus our family parks. And I think we have like a five or six year run. So I think this is the time to really, as the, you know, compression keeps coming. Obviously we have better finance terms right now. It's incredible with the Fannie and Freddie. Um, I think just being able to acquire as many now, keep a couple long-term, but I think the window of opportunity is shrinking and shrinking in terms of value and uh, an opportunity. So I think really just being boots in the ground and just acquire as many as possible in the next five years. Awesome. How can listeners get a hold of you if they'd like to do so? Sure. So if going back to the Mobile Home Wealth Academy, that's not the funnels, but that's just the actual login page, but you could still request information. That should be, I don't know when this comes out, but that'll be launching April, first week of April. Uh, and then for anybody, like if they're multifamily uh, investors or people looking to kind of get in the space, uh, Midwest Per Capital or MidwestPerCapitalFund.com. The fund website is basically, uh, you can apply it on there. Then we have the actual PPM. It has more, uh, just basically the, the legal side of it. The other one's more of like a generic Midwest Park Capital. is just more of a generic benefits of mobile home parks. But those are the two best ways to get a hold of me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Jonathan. Uh, it was a pleasure having you. Uh, if you had to boil it down to one tip to give passive investors that are interested in this space, what would that one tip be? Just consume all the content, listen to your podcast, because there is different nuances for our niche that are just such anomalies compared to other asset classes that don't even make sense to outside investors. So just be willing to learn a little bit about our niche and then understand all the benefits come with the other trade-offs is like I said, it's, you know, it's not going to have the spreadsheets that would be 
thorough. It's not going to have like the crazy marketing, but that gives you the opportunity when you acquire. So just basically understand our niche has more nuances and it's about 10 years behind multifamily <laughs> or even self-storage. So just really do your due, due diligence and learn about the, the business, like listen to your podcast, and that's going to get you the, the foundation to move forward. Great. Thank you for that. Uh, that's it for today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, are you getting value out of this show? If so, would you mind please going over to iTunes and leaving the show a quick five-star review? I have a goal of hitting over 100 five-star reviews by the end of 2021, and it would mean the absolute world to me if you could help contribute to that. Thanks ahead of time for making my day with your five-star review of the show.